Uh, thank you, Preston and Ben, uh, for leading us this morning. Preston, for that introduction. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in a meeting uh, with your pastor, Derek Allen, and um, he made a comment, and one of my colleagues who was sitting at the table with me, he looked over at me and he said, who is that? I said, that's the new pastor at Barron Cross. He said, man, they got a good one. I said, yes, they did. And so I, I love hearing what is happening at your church. Uh, God does amazing things sometimes when we least expect it, and it sounds like God is doing great things through your church. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the miracle of the boy. It's not a miracle most of us are very common with, but you know what? The miracle of the boy is the only miracle that we see recorded in all four Gospels. We just call it something different. I want to look with you at John chapter 6, starting in verse 5, at the miracle of the boy. Maybe it will be more familiar to you when we call it what's written there in most of your Bibles, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I want you to look at that passage a little bit differently with me today, because most of the time, as good Baptists would, when we look at that passage, we think about the food, Right? We think about how the people were hungry and they got fed. And we've been practicing that tradition ever since, as Southern Baptist, of feeding people. And that's something most of us can say we do pretty well. But there's another part of that passage that I want to make sure that we don't miss for looking at the food. And that's the miracle of the boy. You know, God, throughout Scripture, has created a pattern of using People who we wouldn't pick out to be used to do significant things. Anytime I start to feel more important than I should, I start looking at Scripture and I realize God didn't use the important people to do significant things. And if I want God to do significant things through me, I need to make sure that I don't start feeling too important to God's kingdom. It's really important that we realize what God has most significantly done through Scripture, He's done through the least likely of candidates. This is one of those examples. Starting in verse 5 of John chapter 6, we see when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward Him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test Him, for He already had in mind what He was going to do. Philip answered Him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, had, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank You for using the most unlikely candidates to share Your mission in the world. Thank You for using a little boy to make Yourself known to the people of that time. God, I thank You for speaking to us today in some of the most unlikely ways and through some of the most unlikely candidates and most unlikely voices. Father, I pray that as I spend the next few minutes talking about Your Word and what You're doing around the state, God, I pray that You will use me to speak to the hearts of the people here at Bearing Cross. God, that through diving into Your Word today, God, we will realize how You desire to use each of us no matter what our story is, no matter what our background is, no matter what our talents are, help us to see how you can use us to make you known around this world. Surely we know this world needs you. We live in a desperate and broken world. Use us through the next few minutes. Empower us, embolden us with a message to be ready to go out and share to a broken and hurting world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to notice about this passage, 5,000 men are gathered around. They don't even count the women and the children. I don't even know how many this crowd would be. Let's say at least 10,000 people are gathered around. And Jesus says to His disciples, where can we get food to buy for all of these people. And I love how Philip is just so practical. Like he doesn't think, like, you know, what store are we going to go to? He thinks, we don't have enough money for that. There's no way we could have enough money for that. And then I don't know what Andrew was thinking, but he comes to Jesus with this boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish. I don't, I don't know what Andrew had in mind except to say, how foolish is this to think that we could feed all of these people even if we had enough money to buy the food? This is all the food that I see. What I love, though, is Jesus notices this boy in this big old crowd. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He chose to use a little boy and to have this little boy come up to him. And this is so important. This is a message that I think everybody needs to hear today. Because we live in a world where loneliness and isolation is rampant. And I want people to know Jesus notices you. In a world that's busy and cluttered and chaotic and in need... Jesus notices you. When other people may not even include you in the count, Jesus notices you. He sees you. Other people looked right across. Didn't even bother to notice, but Jesus notices you. Isn't that an important message for our world today? To know that no matter what is going on, no matter what anybody else thinks or has said about you, no matter what your story, Jesus sees you. You matter to Jesus. You count to Him. Wow. 
Doesn't matter who else is around. Doesn't matter what else is going on. Jesus sees you. He knows who you are. That's a message I want our families to hear. That's a message I want our kids to hear. It's a message I want our communities to hear. From our churches, people need to know that we see them. People need to know that they matter to us. Because if they don't, if they don't believe that we see them, and if they don't believe that they matter to us, why would they bother to darken our doors? How can we let the hurting and broken world around us know that they matter to us? That's what we're trying to do with our children and our families today. We have some very simple messages that we want to convey in everything that we do, and this is one of them. You matter. You are important. And here's what it comes down to. We want to connect with you. And so we say to every one of our children and families, we welcome you into trusting relationships with us because you matter, you're important. We want you to connect here. And then I want you to notice that Jesus had the boy and the bread and the fish brought to him. As if to show the significance even more. Here's this boy with Jesus and these 5,000 men. By the way, this is Passover. So there's some important people in the crowd. And Jesus could have chosen any one of the important men in the crowd to bring them up and to use that important man to accomplish this mission, to fulfill this miracle. But no, he showed the significance of a little boy. He had the little boy come to him. You are significant to God. Jesus sees you as significant. You are important to God. What would our world look like if the people in the communities around our churches truly believed that they were significant to Jesus, the Savior of the world, that He welcomed them to come to Him through our churches? I believe the world would look different. I believe the world would be a little less broken. But I also believe that we in the church need to be reminded that we matter to God and that we are significant to God's kingdom. I believe that we ourselves sometimes forget. We sometimes think there are more important people who need to do God's work. No, there is nobody more important to the kingdom of God than you. There are young men and our young women in this room There's nobody more important to the kingdom of God than you. And there's nobody who's outlived the mission of God in this room. There's nobody more important than the person sitting in your seat. That's incredible to know that nobody is more significant than you to the kingdom of God. You are a part of His mission. That's what we want our children and families to know. Because I believe that it's this message that changes lives. To know not only does God see you, but God wants you to be a part of what He's doing. 
If that message is true for the little boy who didn't even get counted in the numbers, it's true for me and it's true for you today and it's true for the kids and the adults and everybody in this room. You matter to God. You're a significant part of His plan. And then the third thing that I want you to see in that passage, God did great things through something that seemed insignificant. Andrew says, what are we going to do with two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread? And Jesus says, let me show you. You ever think you don't have anything to give? You ever think that what you have isn't good enough to give, that God couldn't do anything with what you could bring to the table? Sometimes it takes a little boy to show us that it doesn't matter what it is that we bring to the table as long as we bring it. Sometimes it takes a little boy to remind us that what we have is worth something in God's kingdom. If we can bring it to the table, God can do with it far beyond what we could ask or imagine. If He can take a few fish and a few loaves of bread given by a little boy and He can feed the crowd... What can he do with what you have? And you say, I don't even know if I have two fish and five loaves of bread to give. Bring it. See what God can do with it. Good or bad, bring your story to the table. Bring your resources to the table. Bring your time, your talents, your gifts, your prayers to the table and see what God can do with it. This is a message from the miracle of the boy that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we miss the little things, the details, because it's so easy for us to overlook. And I can tell you this, this is how important this is. If God had chosen somebody important from that crowd, we would have remembered that. But even we overlook the boy. Jesus didn't overlook the boy. He's not overlooking you. You are important. You are significant to God's kingdom. God can do great things through you. This is a message that I want everybody who comes through our ministries to hear. But it's also the message our churches need to hear. It's a message today that Bearing Cross needs to hear Because it's so easy to think that God wants to do something great somewhere else with someone else. And the miracle of the boy shows us that God wants to do something great with you here now. What is that? I believe that this message, you know, the song that we just sang talked about God as Father. So much of Scripture refers to God in, in relational ways, but more, more than relational, in family-type ways. It's hard to imagine thinking about the Christian life without thinking about family. Because family is part of the DNA of who we are as Christians. And so, when we think about connection and belonging and significance Nothing conveys that to our people better than family. If we can build healthy Christian families, kids are going to grow up with a sense of connection, 
a sense of significance and a sense of belonging. But it starts with the families and our churches. If we can build healthy families that are pouring into, investing in other families to build them up, then I think we're going to see a generation grow up not with loneliness and insignificance like our generations we're seeing, but we're going to see a, a change where kids are growing up with a sense of connection, significance, and belonging. Can we build the families that create that? I think that's our challenge as Arkansas Baptists. I think it's our challenge because what we see is a, a perpetual cycle of families being more and more broken. What we see since 1970, if you look at the research, since 1970, every year there are half as many divorces as there are marriages. Every year there are 50% divorce to marriage rates. That's unbelievable across our nation. But the statistics that alarm us even more are not the fact that half of all marriages end in divorce, according to research. It's the fact that less and less of our population is getting married. For the first time in our civilized world, people are, are no longer believing in marriage, in family. In all of our civilized world, Family has been a a constant thread. It's been a given. It's been an assumed part of who we are as humans. And while we are meant to have connection, significance, and belonging, and that comes through the context of family, we're living in a world where we're losing even a sense of, even a picture of what healthy families look like. And that's true even in our churches And so we've made it our mission as Arkansas Baptist Children's Homes and Family Ministries to help to change this trend. Our mission is to build, strengthen, and restore Arkansas families for God's glory. That is our mission. We do that through several different ministries. We do that through family-style residential care where we take kids from families that have been broken and we give them a family to live with on one of our campuses. Many of you, I'm sure, have been to our Arkansas Baptist Home for Children uh, that started 125 years ago this year, by the way. In 1894, we started that campus, and today we still operate that campus, putting kids in families. Uh, We have family-style residential. has six homes on that campus. Uh, Those homes have house parents and kids move into those homes and they live with their house parents, their families. They're not, they're not the old like congregational type orphanages where you have 12 kids in a room. Most of these kids have their own room and their own bathroom. My kids at home don't even have that, right? And so many of you didn't grow up like that. These kids, we're giving them their own space, their own bathroom, their own room because we want them to have a sense of independence and autonomy, but mostly we want them to have a table that they sit around with their parents and they eat like family and they play games and they do activities and they have devotions like family. Ideally, with the goal that these kids move into what eventually will be their permanent family, whether that's moving back with some biological family member, or whether it's moving into an adoptive home, we want these kids to have permanent families. We believe wholeheartedly 
in Psalm 68, 6, God puts the lonely in families. We believe God's mission is to put the hurting and broken into families. And I believe that in this world today where families are more broken than they've ever been, it breaks God's heart because family is a part of God's design. As a matter of fact, God uses the idea of family to convey His love for us. We're referred to as children of God. We're referred to as the adopted children of God. We're referred to even as the bride of Christ. There are multiple throughout the Old and the New Testament, multiple references regarding family to us in relationship to one another and to God. It's a part of God's design to put us into families. The good thing is that when family breaks, there is restoration and redemption. The gospel is a gospel of justice. It's not the gospel of us getting it right all the time. It's the gospel of God's righteousness and justice for us. And so when family is broken, it's not the end of the world. God provides justice, and through the church, He puts families together. He creates families, He restores families, and He builds families up. God is a God of family. He speaks through family. Through family, we see God's relationship, even with Himself in the Trinity. God values families, and through our residential, our family-style residential, we want kids to see a picture of family. We also do that through our family foster homes that we have around the state. These are private homes that uh, kids can stay in while through a transition, uh, while waiting to go back to a family member's home or to an adoptive home. Uh, Right now, today, we have 41 kids in private foster homes around the state, and um, most of those kids will end up with some biological family member at some point. Uh, I'll tell you a story in just a moment about that. We also have um, family care homes where moms can come and stay with their children uh, and move toward independence. These moms are most often moms who uh, are at risk of losing their children to the state or moms who have lost their children at some point, and we help her to reunify with her kids in our family care homes. And so... uh, a great ministry of building up families. Every mom that we put in those homes has a mentor uh, that we connect her with to help her from the local church to have a place to plug in with the goal that even once she moves out in independence, being able to take care of her kids on her own, she still has that connection to the local uh, Southern Baptist Church uh, to be able to support her and to give her that place to go for family worship. Um, And so, finally, then we have our family counseling program. Our goal, if we can keep families together, let's do it. If we can keep marriages from falling apart, let's do that. If we can help people deal with the troubles that they're dealing with so that they can be more present and available for their families, then that's what we want to do. And so we have counseling services around the state that hopefully uh, our goal is to build and strengthen families um, so so that we can put an end to the brokenness because that's what we want to do. Uh, Finally, uh, we've made it our mission to be a part of your church, to be a part of local churches, to do seminars, to engage in mission projects, all centered around building and strengthening families. We, as a church, have to put a stop to this perpetual cycle of brokenness. We have to see the value of strengthening our families. We couldn't do this without a family context. We also couldn't do it without a church context. Because here's what I know. So many of us even in this room, have broken families. And you say, well, now what? Our family's already broken. 
We've already been through it. I already don't even have a family that would look anything like a traditional family. And that's what I love about Christ and the church is that the church is also a family. And through the local church body, when we do church right, people see family. And so when we, as a church, engage in relationships as we're supposed to, people see family taking place. They see people looking out for each other. They see young and old sharing fellowship together. They see gatherings around the table. They see prayers together, Bible studies together. They see investments in one another's lives. They see people going the extra mile for one another. As Galatians 6 says, they see people carrying each other's burdens while also at the same time carrying their own loads. They see family because they see the church. The church is intended to look like the family. That's why so many references to family also reference the church. That's why the relationship between the church and Christ also sounds like family. Because we couldn't do this outside of the context of the the church. And so we want to strengthen your families. And so you heard Derek talk about uh, the conference that we want to do in the fall. I hope that you guys will be a part of that. Regardless of what your family looks like, you can take part in changing this perpetual cycle of brokenness and giving people connection, belonging, and significance in the church. Bearing Cross will be known as a place where people can connect, belong, and find their significance in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that? You can be a part of that. You will be a part of that. Let me tell you one story from this past week. Just one story, and I'll wrap up with that. Um, We had a mom that we just admitted into one of our family care homes with her two children. That's significant because this mom is also a mom who several months ago was reunified through our foster care program with her children. And so back up six months ago, this mom had lost her children, not because she was a bad mom, but because she didn't have the resources she needed to take care of her children. One thing we've done is we've told you so many stories about the awful things that have been done to children, and so we think all the the kids in foster care have bad biological parents. That's not always true. This was a good mom. She didn't have the resources. And so through our local church, we had foster parents rise up and say, well, we'll foster these children. And then we had people invest in this mom to help her to get where she needed to be. And so she was able, in a very quick way, to get her kids back out of foster care. And those kids wanted nothing more than to be back with their mother. And so they got what they wanted. The beautiful thing about the church is it didn't end there. People continued to invest in this mom and in her children well after her children were restored back to her from foster care. Mom had a medical emergency and needed someone last minute to watch her kids. And so she called our caseworker uh, who had been working with her and said, can you help me find somebody? And her caseworker said, absolutely. And so she got the kids back for a few hours uh, with her foster parent, just on her own, um, nothing through the state. Um, But in coming back and talking with the caseworker, she said, you know, I really am not where I want to be. I really don't think I'm doing what I need to do for these kids. And so we talked to her about her family care program and said, can we use that to help you to get where you want to be? And so the mom gladly has moved into our family care program this week where she's going to be able to, to have people around her, the Christian community around her to support her 
as she's trying to raise her kids, not knowing what she's doing. That's the thing about her brokenness, the cycle of brokenness. It leads to blindness in trying to create family. Even with the best intentions, it feels like we're walking in the dark because we don't have that guide. And the Christian community can be that guide. And that's what's happening for her, is as she's stumbling through the dark trying to be the best mom she can be, the Christian community in Springdale saying, let's come around you and help you to be that. Instead of waiting and watching Waiting for families to fail, we're going to step in and we're going to say, no, we're going to help you to be successful. That's what we as Arkansas Baptists want to be about. We want to make family successful. It starts in our churches. It starts with having successful families here. Let's get the win here. And then let's replicate that. Let's mentor. Let's support. We won't get it right. My family's not right. If I waited for my family to be where we need to be, I wouldn't be talking to you. It's a struggle. Even if you have the most healthy family, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes challenge. But I believe it's through family that we'll see the most clearest picture of the gospel. When we do family right, we will see the gospel and God will do significant things through us. Now let's come back to the boy. He didn't have much to give, but he gave it. And I have to put that challenge in front of you today. You may think you don't have anything left to give. Give it anyway. You may think you've given all that you have. There's something left to give. You may think you don't have any talents or resources. Most people God used in Scripture thought the same thing, and yet God used them in miraculous ways. This boy was just showing up to see Jesus, and God called him to do something incredible. And not knowing what he was doing, he did it anyway. And so many of us, that's how we move. Take the first step. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to know what you're getting into. Are you willing for God to use you? Are you willing to take what you have and bring it to Jesus as the little boy did? If you are, God will use it. You may never see it in your lifetime how, but God will use it in a significant way because that's what God does. He takes what we have and He uses it in a way that we can never imagine. What are you holding back from God? What are you holding back from God? Maybe for your own control, maybe because you don't think it's worth anything, but regardless, what are you holding back? It's time to bring it to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you can use us regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our background, regardless of our story, regardless of what we can bring to the table, you can take it and do something incredible with it. I pray for this church today. God, may they hear the challenge. May they rise to the challenge. And Father, we're so thankful for your justice that we don't have to have it all right. We don't have to have the perfect picture family. We don't have to get everything just write or say all the right words. God, we just need to bring what we have to you and let you use it. May we have the faith of that little boy who can just, without question, bring what we have to you and watch as you do something miraculous. I pray that you'll do something miraculous through bearing cross as they demonstrate their faithfulness in bringing what they have to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing us when no one else did and for believing on us when no one else even noticed. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.